hold on you. Just break through for you. Break through this morning for long-term struggles. Just sit in that as Sarah speaks as well. Yeah. Amazing. Right. Do you want to take a seat? And we'll have our reading for this morning. And then my lovely wife's coming up here. It's a, it's a family it's a family do this morning. Thanks, Pippa. Today's reading is taken from Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31. And it's taken from the Passion Translation. Who could ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her, for she brings him the rich spoils of victory. All throughout her life, she brings him what is good and not evil. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. She delights in the works of her hands. She gives out revelation truth to feed others. She's like a trading ship, bringing divine supplies from the merchant. Even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a nation and takes it as her own, carrying it within her. She labors there to plant the living vines. She wraps herself in strength, might, and power in all her works. She tastes and experiences a better substance, and her shining light will not be extinguished, no matter how dark the night. She stretches out her hands to help the needy, and she lays hold of the wheels of government. She is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor, for she always reaches out her hands to those in need. She is not afraid of tribulation, for all her household is covered in the dual garments of righteousness and grace. Her clothing is beautifully knit together, a purple gown of exquisite linen. Her husband is famous and admired by all, sitting as the venerable judge of his people. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. Her teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as loving instruction pours from her lips. She watches over the ways of her household and meets every need they have. Her sons and daughters arise in one accord to extol her virtues, and her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms. There are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. Charm can be misleading, and beauty is vain and so quickly fades. But this virtuous woman lives in the wonder, awe, and fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. So go ahead and give her the credit that is due, for she has become a radiant woman. And all her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. This is the word of the Lord. Would you stretch out a hand? to Sarah, this wonderful woman, even if I say so myself. If 
Father, I just thank you for what you've put on her heart this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would open each of our hearts to hear your word clearly, that our stuff wouldn't get in the way of what your spirit's speaking to us this morning. And that you would do all that you've purposed to do in this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Am I on? Yeah? Yeah? Great. Ed, can you hear me? Perfect. Um, Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah, and as Matt said, together we are part of the team who host um, the 11. Um, And also, if you don't know, I I work a couple of days for the church a week. Um, I sort of input to Jack and SJ, who are incredible youth workers, and I do some admin for services. Um, And so that sheet that you get, I've done that. Um, So don't let me know about the typos. This morning, I I want to reflect a little bit on the last couple of weeks, I suppose, and in particular on um, what James and Lou shared at the church weekend um, and what the Lord has been showing them and speaking to them about um, over their sabbatical. And I don't know about you and what your reflections have been, but for me, I think... Uh, what they have brought has really spoken of the kindness of God. Um, And by that I mean that um, the Lord is doing some incredible things here. Um, And and why that is, I personally simply think, is because we say yes, because we say yes to him. Um, But if we are not careful, we can get carried away, pride can get in, we can lose sight of what it is all about and we can, we can get slightly off focus. And so it just speaks of the kindness of God that he has brought this stuff to us now at this time before we have got completely off track. Not that we were off track, but before we have it, it's that um, opportunity to, to reset, to re-evaluate, to, to make sure that it is all about him. It's all about him. And we know that in, um, in Romans, it says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You know, it's humbling, but it's necessary for us to ask questions and to constantly be bringing ourselves back to him. And so you might wonder why I have chosen um, this passage today. Um, many of you, well, I sort of know this passage um, as the wife of noble character, and whenever um, I have read this in the past, I've always been like slightly in awe and taken back by this woman thinking, can this ever actually exist? Can I ever sort of reach this? Um, Because it seems almost impossible. Would it ever be possible to become her? Um, But I've chosen, um, I chose a reading to be from the Passion Translation because I think it gives us a really... um, interesting perspective on it and for me um, it gave me some fresh insight we know that throughout scripture marriage has been used as this analogy for Jesus and the church in Ephesians 5 Paul is talking about a husband and a wife but then he says this is this is a mystery and actually I'm talking about Christ and the church you know God had a covenant relationship with his people 
And in Revelation, it talks about the, um, the final wedding supper when the lamb, Jesus, um, marries the, the bride, the church. And so my question is, what would it look like for the church to be this Proverbs 31 woman? And before I go into this, I just want to say that I'm not going to do justice to this whole topic of the Bride of Christ, and I'm not attempting to do that. And actually, I really want to hone in on one particular verse that I think is key in us becoming this radiant bride that Jesus is coming back for. And so I want to look at verse 13. And um, in... In the NIV, this verse simply says, She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Now, wool is often used um, to, to mean purity. And flax is what linen is made out of. And, and this was, was used to represent righteousness. You know, the priests, they had linen garments when they went to offer their sacrifices to God. And in the tabernacle, uh, the curtain was, was made out, the veil was made out of linen. And so, so these things, wool and flax, they represent purity and they re- represent righteousness. And in, um, in the Passion Translation... That same verse, it says, She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. She delights in the work of her hands. And so today, I want to look at purity. I want to look at what does it mean for us to search, to continually search, to possess purity. I love, I, love the, I love how it describes it there, how she's continually searching to possess purity. And in Revelation 19, when it talks about the bride, it's talking about how, how she, she has made herself ready. What does it mean for us as individuals and as the church to make ourselves ready to search out continually to possess that which is pure? Now, to do this, I want to use an analogy, one that I have totally not come up with myself, but nicked from somebody else. Um, but I think it's going to help us as, as, I, as I talk about purity. Imagine that um, a bride is going down the aisle to get married to her groom. And there he is, he's waiting for her as she comes down the aisle to marry him. But as she's coming down, behind her and beside her are her old boyfriends. And as she gets to say her vows and she's there in front of her groom, her boyfriends are there too, almost as if they are entering in this marriage with her. You know, how would that groom feel in that moment? I imagine he would feel shocked, um, jealous, heartbroken, a whole mix of emotions and, and probably quite confused that his bride has come down the aisle and she still has her old boyfriends with her. Like, how could that even happen in the first place? Like, how did anybody let that happen? And that can only be if actually she was never told that in order to enter a covenant relationship, in order to enter this relationship of marriage, you actually had to break up with your old boyfriends. And in order to do that, not only did you have to break up with them, but you were, you were saying, 
no to every other man in the planet ever again. That's the only way it could happen if actually she was never told that growing up. What kind of bride is Jesus coming back for? He's coming back for a radiant bride, one who has made herself ready, one who has given her heart completely to Jesus, the bridegroom. And I would like to suggest that sometimes as Christians, we invite Jesus into our lives without completely breaking up with our old boyfriends, without changing our ways or making him Lord in every single area of our lives. You know, it actually has to impact us. It has to impact our lives. And I would like to suggest that sometimes as the church, we become distracted and our mind gets taken off the prize that it is about him. Maybe even sometimes we water down the gospel and we forget to tell people that they actually have to repent of their sins to come to Jesus. And so I want to talk about purity. You know, that word has a lot of connotations and might mean a lot of, might mean different things to different people, but I want to look at what does the Bible say purity is. And so first of all, um, let's take a look at at Matthew 5, verse 8. This is a verse that, um, and I'm reading from the NIV. This is a verse that, you know, we have actually mentioned um, recently, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know, here Jesus is talking about um, inward purity, the pure in heart, for they will see God. And the word here um, that's, is, is defined as like a single-mindedness. Um, it's used to describe things like undiluted liquids, metals without alloys, an army without defectors, grain that has been sifted and cleansed of chaff, a person free of debt, a sacrificial animal without blemish or defect. In other words, this word pure, it means unmixed, undiluted, unadulterated, completely focused. It's the same word um, that is used in Psalm 24 when it says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from our God, his Saviour. Such is a generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. It's the same word that's used there and and in Acts as well, um, where it talks about him, um, the Gentiles and, and, and God purifying our hearts. And actually, this is the act of, of coming to faith. Um, that when, when we come to Jesus, he takes our impure heart and he makes it pure. You know, actually, who, who is the one that is pure? Who is the one that we can truly say lived a pure life? It's Jesus. And it is by him that we can stand in his righteousness and that our impure hearts become pure. And then the other word that I want to look at is in James 4. I'm just going to read um, James 4, 4 to 8. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. 
Or do you think scripture says, without reason, that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now here in James 4, the, the word that he uses for purity is actually he's talking to believers, and he's talking about us being a set-apart people. You know, a bit like what... Um, Matt was, was talking, uh, saying at the end of worship that we're no longer, it says in Romans, to conform to the patterns of this world. But actually we are called to be a set-apart people. That being pure, it looks different. It looks different to the world around us. We cannot simply just do things the way that the world do, does things. You know, at the start it says, you adulterous people. Again, bringing us back to that analogy I used about the bride, this idea of letting other people into this marriage. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? You know, the way that we approach things in our life, it has to look different. We, we, we need to be set apart. The way that we approach marriage and parenting and finances and business and how we relate to those around us, it, it looks different. We cannot simply just sort of invite Jesus into our lives and, yeah, he's here, but actually we keep doing things in the same way. He's calling us to be set apart. And I would just like to take a deep breath here for anybody who's feeling condemned and heavy, just to say we don't need to. You know, it is by Jesus by his blood, that, that we can do this. And what does it say in this scripture? But he gives us more grace. This is verse 6 of James 4. He gives us more grace. We stand in his grace. What is he asking of us? He's not asking us to be perfect, but he says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's saying, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life, in every single area, I'm giving you permission to show me the places where you are not Lord of my life. And I am humbling myself before you. It says, submit yourself then to God. I'm humbling myself before you. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Resist the devil. What is he saying? Say no to the stuff that is not of him. Resist the devil. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. We have to make a choice ourselves to come near to God. And as we come near to him, he draws near to us. Wash your hands. That's the outward thing, isn't it? Wash your hands. Our, 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 we can see our hands. It's about our actual outward actions. And purify your heart about our motives. Grieve, mourn, and wail. What's that talking about there? It's talking about when we realize those places in our lives or us as a church where, where we are not pure, we are humbling ourselves and we're saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I want you to be Lord of my life. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up.
We have a responsibility. You know, Jesus has done it. He has won the victory. It's because of him that we, that we get to be invited into this um, intimate relationship. But we have a responsibility. So how are we to be set apart? What does this radiant bride look like? I'd just love to read that proverb again as we think about this radiant bride. As we think about what would it look like for the church to be this wife that it's talking about in Proverbs 31. Who could ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. You know, who has paid the price for us greater than many jewels? It's Jesus. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her. Jesus has entrusted his heart to the church, for she brings him the rich spoils of victory. All throughout her life, she brings him what is good and not evil. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. You know, can we truly say that of the church? She brings him what is good and not evil. She delights in the work of her hands. She gives out revelation truth to feed others. I love that. Do we do that? We, as individuals, are called to, and the church, give out revelation truth to those around us, to the world around us. She is like a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchant. You know, we are called to bring divine supplies of healing, of freedom, of forgiveness, of provision from heaven. Even in the night season, she arises to set food on the table for the hungry ones in her house and for others. Even in the night season, even when it might look like it's hard, she arises The church arises to set food on the table for hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a nation and takes it as her own, carrying it within her. She labours there to plant the living vines. She wraps herself in strength, might and power in all her works. She tastes and experiences a better substance. And her shining light will not be extinguished, no matter how how dark the night you know, what does, that, what does that mean for us as the church, for us as people, to be a shining light, for people to see us and to come to us for refuge, to come to us for warmth, to come to us for hope, you know, for, for our nation in, um, in, in times of need, in the time we are right now, saying, I don't know what to do, but I see that light, I see that shining light over there, and I know that they know that they can bring hope, that they have solutions, divine solutions here that we just don't have. What, what does that look like? What does that mean? She stretches out her hands to help the needy and she lays hold of the wheels of gov- government. She is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor, for she always reaches out her hand to those in need. Are we known for our extravagant generosity to the poor? She is not afraid of tribulation, for all her household is covered in dual garments of righteousness and grace. You know, I think this is about us knowing as his people, as his church, 
that we are covered by his grace, that we are loved by the Father, that we can trust him, that he will never leave us or forsake us, and therefore we are not afraid. We're not afraid of the trials around us because we know who our Father is. Her clothing is beautifully knit together, a purple gown of exquisite linen. Her husband is famous and admired by all. That can only be talking about Jesus. Sitting at the venerable judge of his people, even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy at the latter days. You know, again, that's going back to that thing of knowing who our Father is, knowing we can trust, trust him. You know, we should be the place that is full of joy, that people look at us and they see that we have this deep sense of joy because we know who our Father is. Her teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as loving instruction pours from her lips. She watches over the ways of her household and meets every need they have. Her sons and daughters arise in one accord to extol her virtues and her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms, his radiant bride. There are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. Charm can be misleading and beauty is vain and so quickly fades. You know, even as the church, we can sometimes get caught up in the ways of the world and we can do things and dress ourselves up um, and get distracted. Things that, that fade. Charm can be misleading and beauty is vain and so quickly fades. But, but who is this woman? What is the kind of woman that Jesus is looking for? It's a woman who lives in wonder, awe, and fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. So go ahead and give her the credit that is due, for she has become a radiant woman, and all her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. You know, as I mentioned earlier in Revelation 19, it talks about the bride preparing herself. Are we willing to search out continually to possess that which is pure? You know, we've been on a journey as a church. We're continuing to go on a journey. And the last 18 months, we, um, we particularly have been pursuing Father. We've been um, learning what it means to, to know how good he is, how he sees us, how he loves us, um, that we can trust him, that he provides for us you know we've been we've been learning more about the father's love and and actually next weekend as life comes I'm sure a lot more of that is going to be expanded as something that we don't sort of learn and we shelve and it's like tick, we've done that we now know the father loves us actually we need to keep relearning that stuff but it's because of that that foundation that we'll be that we're able to ask ourselves these questions now that we're able to to, to boldly say, what does it mean to be pure? What does it mean to go after purity? You know, to ask ourselves difficult questions. But it's okay to do that in the context of knowing who our Father is. Remember, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so we have this incredible opportunity as individuals and as the church to, to reevaluate, to reset, 
to ask ourselves, you know, what, what does it look like in every area of our lives to make him Lord, to be fixed on him, that single-mindedness, that unmixed, undiluted, unadulterated gaze on Jesus. You know, the song that we sang at the start about fixing our eyes on Jesus and the things of the world will fade away. What, what does that look like for our relationships, for our businesses, for our finances, for our government, for um, our friends that we're talking to? What does it look like every single area of our lives? You know, are there any boyfriends that you haven't broken up with yet? Going back to that analogy at the start. Or maybe you sort of keep going back to, what, what are you feeding yourself with? You know, we can't invite Jesus into our lives, but it doesn't impact everything else. What are you doing? What, and I'm speaking to myself, what do we do Monday to Friday when we're feeling tired or, or um, you know, we've had a long day? What, how do we feed ourselves? Do we just flick through our phone or do we just put on the TV and read the news? And I'm not saying we should never do those things. But actually, it impacts us what we feed ourselves on. If we want to know what it means to be pure, what it means to be this radiant bride, we have to read the word. This, it tells us in here, we have to be feeding ourselves, not just dipping into it every now and again. This is what we have to feed ourselves on. You know, we have to spend time in his presence. We have to allow him to speak to us. We have to worship him. It has to impact every area of our lives. And so this isn't, this isn't about condemnation. It's about conviction. It's about the kindness of God leaving, leading us to repentance and about us asking those questions and saying, Lord, if there is any way in me that is not fully fixed on you, that is, that is diluted down in any way, show me what it is. Because I want to humble myself before you. I want to repent of those things and say, Jesus, I am fully yours. I think it would be... um I know crash parents, here we go. You need to go and collect your children. But for once you heard the whole talk, so there we go. <laughs> I know what it's like <laughs> to be a crash parent. I was like, I want to get it in before we have to go. <laughs> I, I would love us um, just to take a moment, just to almost a moment in quiet, just to ask the Lord to speak to us. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we we honour your presence here. We love you.
We want to be a people that that eyes are firmly fixed on you. And so just now in, in the quiet, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, you would speak to us. You know, I feel like this isn't, this isn't necessarily about those sort of big, obvious sin areas that we might think of. This is actually about the subtle things, the distractions, the ways that we've just allowed things to creep in, our thinking that's just not actually in line with heaven. We want to be pure, radiant bride. Yeah, Holy Spirit, speak to us now. So I feel like um, I feel like the Lord is asking us to renew our wedding vows. Um, yeah, I feel like for those who would like to, you, this is not something you have to do. That it would be um, just amazing to take this opportunity as His bride to renew our wedding vows and to say, Jesus. It's all about you. So I'm going to pray. And if you would like to pray, pray with me, either in your heart or out loud. Actually, I'm going to kneel. Jesus, we love you. And we come before you now as your bride. We are sorry for the times that we have been distracted. For the times that we have been diluted. And for the times that we have conformed to the patterns of this world. Mm. 
We are sorry for the times that our eyes have not been firmly fixed on you. And Jesus, we ask that you would forgive us. That you would wash us clean. That you would purify our hearts. And Jesus, we say that we choose you. We love you. We choose to fix our eyes on you and you alone. This is for you and for your glory and for your fame. We love you.